China says it will add more pro-independence Taiwanese figures to its blacklist. Currently, the list has three people. They are Taiwan's premier, legislative speaker and foreign minister who have been hit with travel bans and economic sanctions. On Wednesday, China's Taiwan Affairs Office said more names will soon be added. It also warned that the time for, quote, true regret will come soon. In response, Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council said it's drawing up its own blacklist for Chinese officials who violate human rights. China's Taiwan Affairs Office says it will add more people to its list of diehard Taiwan secessionists. There won't just be three people on the list of diehard Taiwan secessionists. We also noticed that recently there has been one Taiwan secessionist in particular who has been leaping up especially high to proclaim regret for not having made the list. Fret not, the time for true regret will soon come. The office did not specify who it was referring to. All this talk about leaping up high or low, we are free in Taiwan. We have our own trampoline of democracy and China needs not concern itself with it. Saying that Douglas Hu is a financier for Taiwan independence supporters is simply a ludicrous joke. In the cage that is China, whatever they claim you said becomes what you said. Whatever they claim you stand for becomes what you stand for. In response to China's list of secessionists, Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council says it will create its own blacklist. It will be made up of human rights abusers in the upper echelons of the Chinese government who will be barred from entering Taiwan. The CCP always used to say that it welcomes Taiwanese business people, that it'll pull out the red carpet and wash your feet. Nowadays, China turns on you whenever it feels like it. It's like how as China gets stronger, it ramps up its air and naval activity to stoke tensions with neighboring countries. This is not good. Allowing people from both sides of the strait to have friendly and mutually beneficial exchanges is the only way to truly bring blessings to the people. Premier Su Jinchang condemned China for walking back its promises on cross-strait exchanges. He said that by stirring up conflict, China is only exposing its true face to the Taiwanese people. The Biden administration has invited Taiwan to its Global Democracy Summit next month. The online gathering aims to rally like-minded countries in the fight to advance human rights and tackle corruption and authoritarianism. Taiwan is among 110 invited participants, according to a list released on the State Department's website. China, Russia and Vietnam were conspicuously missing from the list. The U.S. is planning to hold its first Summit for Democracy in mid-December. Earlier this week, the U.S. State Department released a list of 110 invited participants. Taiwan was one of them. The U.S. has made it very clear that Taiwan is a member of the Democratic Alliance. Given that, the U.S. supports Taiwan's participation in many international events, including those hosted by the U.S. I think that this is quite a positive development. It will inform more people around the world that Taiwan is a sovereign and independent country that is not subordinate to the People's Republic of China. So I think that this is a good thing. In addition, we look forward to Taiwan continuing to play an indispensable role in the region throughout the course of its participation.
The Summit for Democracy was proposed by U.S. President Joe Biden during his election campaign. The summit aims to convene like-minded countries. Its three-part agenda is to defend against authoritarianism, fight corruption, and promote human rights. The list of invited participants includes Japan, South Korea, the U.K., and Taiwan. Countries excluded from the gathering include China, Russia, and Vietnam. From the list of 110 invited countries, we can see that among the nations not invited, the more notable ones include China and Russia. It's glaringly obvious that among those democratic nations invited to this democracy summit, there is Taiwan, but not China. For Taiwan's international visibility and its bid for international participation, this is a very positive development. The first summit for democracy will be held online from December 9th to 10th. Minister Without Portfolio Audrey Tang and de facto ambassador to Washington Xiaobi Kim will represent Taiwan at the event. Let's move now to the referendum campaign. On Wednesday, the Central Election Commission held its third televised forum on the four ballot questions. During the morning session, uh, the KMT and DPP officials debated whether referenda should be held alongside general elections. Each side accused the other of using the issue to advance their political goals. Watch. It's the third televised briefing before the December 18th referendum. KMT Councillor Zhong Peijun makes a case for holding referendums alongside general elections. She says there would be no problem with doing so if it were not for the DPP. You can all see the list I'm holding now. It's just 14 names long. But you can see that the Central Election Commission wrote my name wrong. The DPP says that we shouldn't hold referendums alongside elections, saying that doing so would result in the same mess we had in the 2018 local elections. But the actual cause of that chaos was the ineptitude of the Central Election Commission and the incompetence of the ruling party. The DPP is pissing on our boots and telling us it's raining. The 2018 elections were handled badly. Take a closer look at what happened. The first to take action over it was the DPP itself. We immediately asked the head of the CEC to resign. I want to ask this representative here. To date, what has the KMT done that has been beneficial for the referendum process? Sparks flew as the two sides clashed on stage. Even former President Ma ying became fodder for debate. The referendums under the Ma administration were different from the ones under the Tsai administration in 2018 and 2021. The Tsai administration is getting flooded with referendum proposals, which you blame on low petition thresholds. It'd be more appropriate to say that the Ma administration was willing to listen to public opinion. The Ma administration didn't try to force its will down people's throats, giving them no recourse but to seek referendums to express opposition to the government. In 2004, Lian Zhan and James Song filed a lawsuit over the results of the election, saying that holding a presidential election on the same day as a referendum was electoral fraud. Then in 2008, when there were two referendum questions about Taiwan joining the UN, the KMT said that simply not picking up the two referendum ballots was okay. This is what the KMT always does. It's always pretending it's on the moral high ground. It was a trick back in history as the two sides made their case. How does Taiwan hold a referendum that truly reflects public opinion? That's the big question voters will decide on December 18th. 
Later this week, the tightly controlled rooftop of New Taipei City Hall will open its doors to the public for the first time. The helipad on the top of New Taipei City Hall is a controlled area normally only open to exclusive glamorous film shoots. But as part of the Open House Taipei event, this weekend visitors will be allowed up to see its panoramic views. Taipei Mayor Ho Yoi led his team in a dance video to celebrate New Year in January. This was a rare glimpse of the roof of the City Hall. As part of Open House Taipei, the public will get a chance to visit this secret castle in the air for the first time. I'm here at the helipad on the roof of New Taipei City Hall. I'm more than 140 meters off the ground, and standing here, you can see all the districts of Greater Taipei, with sweeping views across Taipei 101, Linko, and Guanyinshan. Here on the 33rd floor of the building, you get 360-degree views of the whole metropolis. Even on a rainy day that shrouds your average skyscraper in drizzle, here there's still a magnificent view. But to get up here, you have to prepare properly. Safety harness, ropes and helmet are all vital. Visitors go up in groups of five to ensure their safety. There were just 50 tickets available, though almost 2,000 candidates lined up for the rare opportunity. Since the city hall was built in 2003, it was only open for public use once, for an emergency evacuation drill. Otherwise, it has been a controlled area, although foreign film crews have used the space for filming. This music video by the band Accuse 5 shows off a glimpse of the helipad. The space also features in the new feature film Dead and Beautiful, a Taiwan-Netherlands joint production, plus the TV drama You Light Up My Star and multiple global fashion commercials. Now, this aerial glamour spot will open just briefly for the casual, curious guest. The year ahead looks bright for salaried workers. Following an increase in the country's minimum wage and a 4% pay raise for public servants, Many businesses in technology, finance and transportation are following suit. The technology sector is seeing a labor shortage and production expansion, as well as a business revival. So it has to adjust salaries to retain talent or even poach competitors' workers. Chip makers with long waiting lists, such as those in IC design and wafer OEM, may increase pay by a larger degree than their peers in other parts of the semiconductor industry. Display panel manufacturers Inolux and AU Optronics may raise salaries by more than 4%. Pfizer, a manufacturer of memory chip controllers, also announced that it intends to hand out more bonuses this year, as well as raise pay next year in order to respond to rising prices and to recruit talent. Inflation has been the order of the day lately. After several chain restaurants announced price hikes on their menus, hardware prices are also on the rise. Prices of pots and pans made of stainless steel have gone up by 10 percent, and porcelain ware has increased by 30 to 40 percent. But the highest spike in price is found in silicone, which is mostly used as a sealant. You now have to pay nearly double for it. Let's hear from an expert. The prices of raw materials continue to rise, and the price of energy is also rising. We know that all economic activities require energy, so the current situation will likely continue until the end of the year. 
Everything from food to everyday goods to energy for transportation have been on the rise lately. Experts say the spike will likely flatten in the first quarter of next year. Turning now to the vaccination program. Taiwan's one-dose vaccination rate has reached 77 percent. Two-dose coverage is just below 50 percent. Now, those numbers should go up fast over the next seven days during the 15th round of vaccination. In the upcoming rollout, more than 1.43 million people have an appointment to receive a Pfizer vaccine. To meet stronger-than-expected demand for the brand, the CCC has allocated about 95,000 extra doses for administration in nine cities and counties. It's the second day of bookings for the 15th vaccination round, and Pfizer vaccines are in high demand. All the clinics in this neighborhood are fully booked. On the morning before the booking deadline, nearly all the time slots were spoken for. Here at Taipei's Zhongshan District, all our vaccination clinics were booked full by 10.30. The only places still available are bigger venues like the Taipei Expo Park. We haven't seen the situation before. Usually, we'd still see some slots left for off-peak periods. About 2.91 million people were eligible for a Pfizer shot in the 15th round of vaccination. As of the noon deadline, 1.43 million of them had booked a shot. Another 730,000 people were eligible for AstraZeneca, and nearly 264,000 of them booked a shot. Meanwhile, about 95,000 people made a booking for Moderna. With more than a million people getting Pfizer's, clinics have a challenge ahead of them. On December 1st, November 30th and November 29th, if I remember correctly, Taipei Expo Park will administer 6,000 additional Pfizer doses on each of those three days. Originally, 1.4 million Pfizer doses were allocated for the 15th vaccination round. To meet the unexpected demand for Pfizer, nine local governments, including Taipei, New Taipei, Taichung and Kaohsiung, opened extra clinic slots. I don't think that there will be an issue with Taipei's capacity. It has a lot of clinics and hospitals, so people who miss the booking deadline can arrange to get their shot at a medical center. The health minister says Taipei should be able to handle the demand for Pfizer. People who miss the CECC's appointment deadline can still get a shot by booking directly with local hospitals. Extra doses will be available at a list of hospitals to be released Thursday or Friday. Taiwanese vaccine developer Medigen presented good news at its investor conference on Wednesday. It's turned a profit for the first time in its three-plus years on the Taipei Exchange. It's also in the final stage of talks with the EU over conducting phase three human trials for its COVID vaccine. A permit may be granted as early as next year in the first quarter. Our third quarter financial report went from loss to profit. With successive deliveries to go out in the fourth quarter, we're expecting even stronger results. Regarding the inspection and registration process in the EU, we are now in the final stage of talks with the EU. It shouldn't be much longer before we can begin phase three trials using the immunobridging approach under the guidance of the EU. 
Medigen's vaccine is already being tested in Paraguay. Results from the ongoing Phase 3 trial are due next January. The vaccine was also chosen for the World Health Organization's Phase 3 Solidarity Trial. Results from that study are due early next year. Small farmers from the East Coast have launched a new collaboration with three of Taiwan's biggest online retailers, making their local produce easy to buy at the touch of a button. Supported by the Agriculture and Food Agency, farmers from Yilan, Hualien and Taidong are hoping the scheme will put East Coast delicacies within easy reach for the rest of the country. This Chinese angelica tea is a specialty from Hualien's Yuli Township. Now, even if you're stuck on the west coast, you can easily order these products online for home delivery. While we're trying to prevent the spread of the pandemic, everyone's gotten used to shopping online, which is the safest way. Besides, the eastern region is farther away. The Agriculture and Food Agency is working with three online retailers, Elite, Gomaji and The Wonderful Food. The line of specialty items naturally grown and produced by small farmers is aimed at customers who like to shop organic. What we need most in the post-pandemic era is actually to join in online retailers' models for joint development. We expect sales to grow by about 30 to 40 percent. One participating farmer, a rice producer from Ilan, told us that traditionally, to sell her products in stores, she spent many hours just visiting clients and setting up shelf displays. Now, her products get exposure through online retail platforms, and she hopes to see 30 to 40 percent sales growth. This Chinese Angelica farmer from Uli stressed that all their ingredients are grown through ecological farming methods. He brought whole Angelica and red sage out to show off. We're from Uli Township in Hualien, and we grow Angelica and red sage. We make some of our crops into more commercial products, such as Chinese Angelica tea bags and red sage tea bags. Local farmers are carrying the torch for some of the oldest skills in Taiwan. Now they're finding more and more ways to collaborate with tech platforms, making Taiwan's incredible natural abundance more available to everyone. The Golden Horse Film Awards take the stage this Saturday. Among the movies up for top honors is family drama American Girl. Both newcomer Caitlin Fong and Taiwanese-Canadian movie royalty Karina Lam are up for Best Actress. They play a mother and daughter pair in the coming-of-age drama. The film is being hailed as an honest and insightful take on the Taiwanese-American experience. Will we go back to the States when you get better? A teenage girl moves back from the U.S. to Taiwan with her cancer-stricken mother. Her Chinese is wobbly and she can't adapt to Taiwanese school. Mother and daughter are constantly fighting. Caitlin Fang stars in American Girl, her breakout role. She's garnered a nomination for Best Newcomer at the Golden Horse Awards, while both Fang and her on-screen mother, Karina Lam, are nominated for Best Actress. I was so nervous because I had a crying scene on the third day and then I had to cut my hair for real. I remember how happy I was when I heard I was nominated. The director called me and we screamed together. She really cut her hair short. Actually, she did such a great job. It was the third day, so the whole crew suddenly gave her massive respect. All the women in the room were crying watching it. 
American Girl is a coming of age of a young woman searching for her identity and caught by the demands of her family. This story is based on director Ran Fong Yi's own life. It's also a striking glance back at the year 2000. All the props from Ran's dad's old suit to the decor in the family home create an uncanny blast from the past. My dad was still angry because I hadn't told him we were doing that. He came home and said we'd moved all the stuff out of the rooms. I hadn't planned to take that much, but the art director said it's really difficult to find things from that decade. This is Ran's first feature film, but with seven Golden Horse nominations, it's fair to say it's no flop. Since the Golden Horse premiere, it's been hailed by critics and won the audience choice vote, demonstrating the power of a heartfelt family drama. A top Taiwan university has given an overhaul to its 73-year-old school song. Notably, it's a cutout, a controversial reference to Taiwan returning to the motherland. The lyric has been called outdated in recent years. Let's hear from National Taiwan Normal University. The views of the students' union have never changed. The school anthem has always needed to be improved, even right at the beginning. It needs to be responsive to different moments in time and different situations, as well as different contexts. The 1948 anthem will still exist, without any alterations to any of the words. The new anthem version that we approve today will exist alongside the 1948 version. The song was revised by a committee, which held more than two years of discussions and hearings. Even so, views are divided over the new anthem. According to an online survey with 383 respondents, about 40% of people prefer the new version, while another 40% prefer the old.